Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today. All right, welcome back to the Detroit is Different podcast studios. Today is somebody that's offering the whole community of Detroit great foods, great seasoning, something healthy for you, something natural, and something real creative. Because sometimes when we think healthy food, we don't think it's going to taste that good. This lady knows what she's doing when it comes to taste, because not only did she have uh, a family's worth, but she had <laughs> other tasks of feeding restaurants worth of folks and uh, catering events and things like that. This is someone that I've known, great energy, great spirit and deep Detroit roots. And I'm sure I'm going to find out more about those Detroit roots in this interview Jafani Edison, how you feeling? Hey, hey, how you doing, Kyrie? I'm doing fantastic, fantastic. Okay. I never could complain. All right. Now, fantastic is an adjective rarely used, but I would only expect it from somebody that is as creative and eclectic as you. <laughs> so, with that being said, and then even in that energy, uh, we going bright colors in the in December. Yeah, this yeah. is going to be in 2022. So, we kicking off the year. This, this is New Year. You know you need to be eating some better foods. Listen. Stay bright and stay vibrant. Let's do it. All right. Bright, vibrant. Uh, we usually start these stories kind of going back into people's Detroit story okay. and their family story. Some okay. of this I'm already familiar with, but we introducing you to Detroit is Difference audience. Okay. So uh, family, whereabouts, the roots. What brought your family to the city of Detroit? Oh, that's really good, Carrie. So <clears throat> I'm from the Edison family, you know, so my father's. My mother and my father, Janet, my mother's Jan Edison. My father's Jeffrey Edison. J, J, and J. Yes, so of course, we're the all five. So I got I have three brothers, Jamal, Jamoke, and I'm Jafani. <laughs> so we the, we the family of five. Okay. Jan, Jeff, Jan, Jamal, Jafani, Jamoke. Mm-hmm. So my father's parents are Kenneth and Catherine Edison. So they're from Kentucky. Mm. So Whereabouts, Kentucky? Louisville. Don't get me on here. Louisville for sure. Okay. So we down there. We used to take family reunions, go down there, Mama Lotta, Daddy Roy, Uncle Roy, everybody. So we real connected. So we took a lot of trips down there. I mm-hmm. watched <clears throat> my Mama Lotta cook, my, my great aunties cook. So that was one thing. And so my mother's people are from Toledo, Ohio. Wow. Okay. So that's not so even that's that right far. down the street. Yeah. I was going to say that's like so, right up the road. Um, everybody, you know, my aunties, my mama has three sisters. My father has an older brother and a youngest sister. So... Yeah, and so they met up at Howard. Okay, did um you say the mom dad met at Howard? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, within that that tradition of HU, um, were they in Detroit before then? Did they have people here before then? My father was here. My my father's born and raised Eight Mile. Mm, eight and what? Eight Mile, like Eight Mile and Myers. Over mm. there, man. You know, they do the uh, eight-mile picnic every year, you know. So, like, not that far from the classic wall that people talk about. Oh, that's about. the wall. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. Mumford, you know, they, you know, he went to Mumford. You mm. know, a lot of old, you know, a lot of old school folks in Detroit went to Mumford. So, that was the thing. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, he's from Mumford. Okay. So, yeah, he's he's from here. He's born and raised here. So, mm. he went to Mumford, then went to Wayne State. But your your mom was raised in... Toledo, Ohio. In Toledo. I'm not familiar with her high school. Don't get me like about that. But then she went to Howard. So, mm-hmm. she went to Howard. She went to school for teaching. So, she graduated Howard. And met and, your dad yep. there at Howard. Yep. And they moved on back to the D. Okay. Yeah. So, um, within that, let's talk a little bit about that eight-mile neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Did uh, your grandparents still stay there when you grew up? Oh, yeah. They bought a house. When my grandparents came, you know, they got that house. You know, back in the day, those, the our grandpa, my grandparents was real serious about that, the home thing. So they had a home when they got here. That's the same house that's still here. Okay. Same house. Never. So from Kentucky to almost living on matter. Kentucky. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Um, and in that neighborhood, what do you remember about that being in your grandparents' neighborhood as a kid? Oh, growing up over there on Manor? Mm-hmm. It was just, it was just, it was family's own. In every block, we were cool with both. I always, so my, my memories are the neighbors. You know, we had um, the folks on the left side and the folks on the right side. We grew up with um, the family on the, you know, everybody on the block. My father went to school and grew up over there, so a lot of his friends and 
you know, parents were in the neighborhood. So people mm-hmm. lived down the street. The, the parents of his friends stayed on the block. So he was real close. We was always at my grandmama's house. That's mm. my grandmama's house. It wasn't just the holidays. We was just over my grandmama's house. Okay. That yeah. that free babysitting, the park, as they Yeah, call. it was just, yeah. That back in the day was just what it is. It was, it's just different. That was granny house. Granny yeah. house Christmas, was daycare back in Thanksgiving, the day. Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. You know, and so my, my mother's parents and my father's parents were really close. So they always were up here. They spent a lot of time together. Okay. Yeah. So even that synergy, just up 75 from Toledo, Straight which shot. is... Yeah, know, my grandparents, maybe... my, my, my grandparents, my mama's mother and my dad's mother, they was homies. Okay. Yeah, my grand, yeah, everybody was cool. They, they, cause they all, it, we were real tight back in the day, you know. Parents okay. from Toledo, because it was so close, they was up here for graduations. They were up here for celebrations, birthdays. Mm-hmm. So it was real tight. Maybe just a random Tuesday. That's it. Yeah, okay. It was tight. Okay, and uh, the work. What what were your grandparents into? What did they do? My granny was a nurse. Mm. My fa- all I remember about my grandfather. I know he was in the military back in the day, but I know he. I'm not sure. I think he worked at the. He might have worked at the plant. Please don't get me to. Mm-hmm. I just remember my father. My grandfather was a map designer, map maker in the army. Hmm. He talked about he talked about that to his last days. So my granny was a nurse at Henry Ford, hmm. and so my mother's mother. Uh, <clears throat> she worked at Jeep in Toledo. Okay. I'm not really sure where my papa worked. Like I said, you talking me way back. I don't even. I really don't remember where my papa worked, but he was a man. He was just a G. He was just a man too. Okay. But yeah, and, they all worked. And I, I know the profession, but your parents, mom and dad, oh, what my, did they my, do? My mother went to school to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. So my mother was a teacher in Detroit. My mother was the. I was the first thing. I just remember my mother dealing with adult education back in the day. Um, she mm-hmm. did a lot with that, and so <clears throat> she's been a teacher for like over 35, 40 years. Wow. My father is a criminal defense attorney, mm-hmm. still practicing. He been practicing for over forty five years. Mm. Um, yeah, he went to Wayne State, graduated from there. Okay. Now uh, that that connection is unique because um, the premise of your mom being a teacher and your dad being an attorney, it wasn't like a tradition type thing. They were. That was something that they right. wanted to do. They went to Howard. Right. That was something that they wanted mm-hmm. to do. My father kind of got into the whole, you know, you know that, the black power thing, the revolution thing back in high school in Mumford. You know, it was a lot of things going in. So Howard was, of course, the place to go. And then, you know, my my mother, I guess that's just what she wanted to do. Because I'm thinking now, like, nobody in her family was a teacher. I'm not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. And what school? What school did you, do you remember your mom teaching at? Oh, she she <clears throat> retired from Kosciuszko up on Grand River. Like I told you, I just remember it's the church up on Grand River in 96. I just remember back in the day that used to be an adult education center. Hmm. So I remember mean, she used to work there. She worked at another school up there on, um, she worked at Edison. That's where she retired from on Grand River. Kosciuszko was on retirement. Okay. So. And when yeah. you say adult education, is that like night school? Yeah, is that I, was I like. Feel like I say, I'm going back. We're going back, back. But I just, oh, I just remember her doing, I'm not sure. I'm sure it was during the day too. It could have been at night. But so I, I was, I just remember my mom working, doing a lot in adult education. And it's always unique the being the, the child of a teacher. So like, I'm guessing you guys would be places like walking around when you were a kid and they'd be like. Hey, Miss Edison. No, the crazy thing about my mama and her kid and her students are <laughs> yeah. that they see her everywhere now that they grown. Mm-hmm. Like, everywhere we go. Like, mm-hmm. it's for years. Hey, Miss Edison. Hey, Miss mm-hmm. Edison. Hey, Miss Edison. She be like, mm, which one? Which school? Where you at? <laughs> you know, she was teaching. Well, that's how it is uh, now. And then their uh, kids are at her school. Mm-hmm. Her kids are, um, their kids are her students. So, yeah, they know Miss Edison everywhere. Everywhere. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. To this day, my mama, and she ain't even working no more, but my mama, them, them, them kids come to her. Hey, Miss Edison. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, being a teacher is like being a, they love uh, a local celebrity or something because oh, people, you know, well, obviously you got to be a good teacher, mm-hmm. but, you know, people remember the teacher more than anything. You know, they yeah. run up to you like, hey, and you yeah. be like, hey, how you know my mama? <laughs> your mama was one of them cool teachers, you know, she's real cool like that. Okay. Yeah. And, and then on the... On the flip side for you, where where was school? Where was your school journey? So for me, you know, you know, I always, you know, it was really like my parents were really on top of schools. So I, you know, and school wasn't never like my thing. I just tried to get by for real. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just the real thing. You know, 
it was what it was. When it was time to go to college, though, that was always embedded in us. I don't, all I remember was y'all going to Howard. Y'all going to Howard. Y'all going to Howard. Okay, Howard, two Howard, people Howard. from Howard. So uh, all, all of you all went to Howard? I, my brother went to Howard first. Okay. And because he's my oldest brother's a year older than me, he went to Howard first. Mm-hmm. And then I went the year after. Okay. So it was just what we was going to do. Now, Howard University has a unique relationship with Detroit, too, because Detroiters, including your mom, your dad, mm-hmm. uh, Mama and Gia, so many others, Piper, mm-hmm. you know, Detroit and, and Howard connect. Will William with the plugged in, he went to Howard. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, but what was it like? And then what year did you touch down at Howard? I got to Howard 93. Okay. Hot days. Okay, so Good that days. was a whole different vibe. Washington, D.C. as well. Oh, it was Chocolate City when I went to Howard, when mm-hmm. I went to D.C. It was Chocolate City for real. Like, it was, I don't know if Marion Barry was ending his tenure, mm-hmm. but it was like, he was, it was, it was Chocolate City. The, the demographics and the makeup of it is so different now, but it was, it was like 80%. Mm-hmm. What do you uh, What do you remember Touching down And then like Just that flair Of being from Detroit When people were like I'm from Detroit Like what was it oh, Were just, they looking at you Like uh, what's his name From um, Were they looking at you Like Big Brother Almighty From, uh, oh, from school days Oh they looking at me Like girl Where you get them Green Jodeci boots from Boo Like I come in Like you know Jodeci boots I got my hair Slick You know clean, You know I'm, I'm, I don't know I don't know why I was so tough in high school but uh-huh. I was real, you know, the baggy. That was 93. That was Jodeci, TLC, mm-hmm. Rage. You know, I was real West Coast hard. You know, I was I'm from Detroit. Yo, I'm about to go to D.C. What up? What up with it? Like, so uh-huh. I came in with my green Jodeci boots, my baggy pants. Like, even if I look back at the pictures, it's like, so I came in with that vibe. My roommate, she from the West Indies, Antigua, but from mm. Boston, so she come in with a bag like, "What up?" And then my other home, my other girl I met, she from Jersey. Mm-hmm. They don't, they ain't Detroit. Yeah. Then my other homegirl sister, she from North Carolina. So I'm, you know, it's a couple of girls from Detroit, but I didn't link up with the girls from Detroit. I linked mm-hmm. up with the girls from the different places. And so after a while, it was just that Detroit vibe, and it was like, "Girl, you know, have my Detroit stuff." But it mm-hmm. was cool. After a while, you mesh. It's just interesting. You come from somewhere where you grew up. To go somewhere where you where you were born, then you go somewhere where it's time to grow up. So all that kind of shed after that. That Detroit, mm-hmm. it was gone after a couple months. Wow! After a couple months, oh, it was over. It was a Howard is like uh, I've never seen nothing else like it. I've never seen people seventeen and eighteen proud to be African. I've never seen the people in my age proud to be. Um, Wearing locks and daishikis and being themselves, especially coming from Jersey and different places or, or wherever, New York. Mm-hmm. And me coming from Detroit, I grew up in African culture. Mm-hmm. I went to Nataki to leave for kindergarten through the eighth grade. I was real African centered. But you know, some of that you feel like you were grown into and you forced into it. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of buck to it. I was proud, but I kind of bucked because wasn't nobody going to African centered schools. Wasn't nobody wearing daishikis. But my parents, it wasn't no choice. This is what we are, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, my daddy called me an African queen since birth. Mm. So Nataki Taliba taught us a lot about who we are. My daddy bought us a lot of stuff. So, but it was still in high school and my other friends weren't dressing like us. And so mm-hmm. it was kind of like hard to navigate. But when I got to Howard, it was like, what? These daishikis? I think I came back at Thanksgiving with, with the Kyrie shells on my neck. Mm-hmm. The braces, you know, no more perm. I drew lot, get lots, but I had grew up in it. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of different here, and like it reconnected you personally, right? To it, so as then, an adult. yeah, then mm-hmm. you then I really found it myself. So it was like that Detroit armor, that Detroit thing was just something that you know. Oh, let me do this. This is, it's yeah, it's, it's a different. It was a different, yeah, it was a different vibe. So you spoke about Nataki Taliba too, mm-hmm. uh, one of the anchor African centered schools, uh, led by uh, Carmen and Namdi, or founded by Carmen and Namdi, mm-hmm. led by so many different creative people. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent some time at Nataki as well, and my big sister Dar as well. But what was Nataki like for you? What do you remember? Nataki is. And also, let me say this, Carmen and Namdi, I need you on Detroit is different, oh. and also. <laughs> Thank you so much for teaching me how to swim. It sticks with me for now and evermore. But continue. You know, Nataki taught me a lot. Like, I am rooted in what Nataki taught me in the aspects of who I am as a 
African woman. Mm-hmm. You know, Mr. Namdi broke it down. So like, and like I'm saying, these are the things that I appreciate as I'm older. But going through it, it's like, that's why they did that. That's why they did that. Mr. Namdi made being African what it is. She mm-hmm. made songs about nappy hair, tight brown curls. It pulled the teeth out your comb. You, they, it pulled the teeth out of a comb. That's how strong it is. It's not, it ain't horrible. It's beautiful. She taught us about, I like when they taught us about being enslaved. She taught us the difference about being, saying slave and enslaved. She taught us about, we saw pictures of people being I know they don't like to deal with that now, but they taught us who we are. And they taught us about the black cowboys. They taught us about the Ku Klux Klan. They taught us about people being hung. They taught us about being African. They taught us about being who you are mm-hmm. and the creativity of it, you know. And so. And 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 then for this, kind of like me, because this is my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I don't know what neighborhood you were living in at the time, but you're getting this at school and now you're coming back interacting in the neighborhood with your friends that are in I guess traditional school mm-hmm. and blowing their minds probably but what see my like? father and my father's real African center and rooted mm-hmm. so our house and my mom like we grew up we were we was the we was that house okay so everybody already knew we had the statues we had the stuff we had mm. the, the, the the vegetarian we didn't have the, the, the fake mayonnaise i mean we had the the vegan mayonnaise we had the tofu we had the vegetables they didn't run in our mm-hmm. we didn't they didn't run in our refrigerator we was running into our neighbors and stuff, refrigerator. We we was going to the, you know, my daddy was Lawrence Fishburne and Boys in the Hood. You know what okay. I mean? So okay. the jokes that they had about Lawrence Fishburne, that's the what they were talking about. That was my daddy. That was your pop. My daddy had a speech, <laughs> but what was going on? Uh-huh. And he didn't care what the, nobody else was doing. So, mm-hmm. you know, my mama was Mama Jan. So my mama was the mama of the block. So, you know, so it was, they, we, I was already... My, we went to Nataki because my father and my mother believed in what Nataki was about. And, and what, um, and then also like some of your teachers. What What do you remember? What was cool? Because I really oh. like the art program in Nataki for me I personally. Like even Miss Perkins, I love Miss Perkins to death. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. She taught me how to write. She taught me my penmanship. I still remember. Like I'm five and six. I remember writing on curse. You know, learning how to write cursive. Nataki and the teachers were so. It's a, it was a comfort. It was a family in Nataki. A lot of our families in Nataki and the people that we cool, we're still family now. Mm-hmm. So, Miss Perk, like I say, Miss Anandi was just just so dope because she kind of dealt with people how, you know, just how it were. We had uh, Key Swahili, you know. I remember our little, the little, we so it was mostly black teachers, but Miss Miss Renzo was our art teacher, a little short white lady, and she was the bomb. Like, I remember, like, drawing little pictures, different things. She was A1. You know, the French class, Mr. Jackson. Like, I remember a lot. It was the family of Nataki then. So it was just a whole different vibe. Even if it was four of us graduating, it will be a whole celebration. Mm-hmm. The school plays that we put, that Miss Nani put on every year, everybody had a role some kind of way. You know, she wrote those plays. We did those plays. Miss Kennard was our dance teacher. Like, Miss... Oh my God, Miss Kimbrough, who loves her? I do. She was my sewing teacher. She used to give us rides home. Like it was family. It's so so. Yeah, those are things I always kept when I tried to raise my kids. But Nataki was a big influence on me. So I'm really, yeah, especially who I am as an African and person here. Mm-hmm. That's why I can't nobody tell me what you can't do and what we gotta be structured to. That's Nataki fault. Mm. <laughs> and, and I do think African centered schools carry a lot of the students that attended those schools carry that different layer of confidence mm-hmm. with engaging in America uh, because what America can be for us being black mm-hmm. uh, and the truth of it. Like I don't, they, they kind of sway from really telling what the honest truth about America. I think the truth of us knowing about who we are helps. Yeah, it helps. It'll give you the confidence to say, man, what the fuck out of here? We was already raw. We was already cold. We was already, you can't tell me what I can't do and what I'm not doing. You can't tell me I got to stay over here. You know what I'm saying? I've learned about Paul Lawrence Dunbar, you know, the poets and poetry and um, Lee Van, um, James Van Der Zee, the photographer. So, you know what I'm saying? So different things that I do, different things, those things are just subconsciously in my mind. I know what good pictures and good art and good things and, are you know it's just they introduced us we had susan taylor come read to us in school mm. you know what i mean we had the when we did this the play about the black baseball players they came to our school mm-hmm. you know it was you know it was just 
Yeah, I think the, the dude from The Temptations or The Four Tops came and read to us one day. Like, it was just dope. Mm-hmm. All black, everything. I, I'm, that's what I'm for. Mm. Yeah. You walked up to him like, Otis, some of us need your help. I'm just... All right. But along with that, shout out Otis Williams and them. I actually think they got a new album coming out. Keep it rolling. To this day, they making that bridge. You hear me? Mm -hmm. So uh, after the talkie, where did you go? I went to DePores. Okay. So I still went to, like, I I was all black. And Mm -hmm. only... I only went to the port since my brother went. It was no uh-huh. rhyme to no reason. So your my brother was, was Jack. Like I the... couldn't get in the cast. I couldn't get in the red <laughs> sign. So did you go on the ports, girl? So but it was black. Then, so, so your brother cool. was like always that first step, and then he was at Howard first too. Yeah. What would did you did you like interact with your brother on campus much at Howard? Well, or did freshman you see him? year, because my brother had a crew. Him, mm-hmm. Kofi, Marcus, and another one. But yeah, mm-hmm. he had the he had the homies. You know, my brother was my brother cool. So he had the homies. Mm-hmm. They was cool. So, of course, I'm already cool. So, I got my crew when I come in. My, yeah. All the new girls, my new form, they're my homies. They're my homies to the day, to that yep. day. So, my brother was cool. He only stayed a year and a half. But, yeah, my brother was, he didn't, you know, he was, my brother always cool. He wasn't that grown little girl, but okay, <laughs> he did his thing. We did our thing. So, we'll okay. cross up in there. Okay. Now, um, after Howard. Mm-hmm. What was the what was your thought process? Uh, and then actually, your tenure at Howard saw a lot of changes, and not just DC, but Detroit, America. A lot of things were, were a lot were of things. Have, so from my experience at Howard, so like I told you, me going to DC was really life changing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like I say school was cool for me, but it was just me really trying to get by school. It wasn't. You know, so when I went to Howard, it was like, what I'm going to do? So in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm just going to be a lawyer because my daddy a lawyer. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Let me do that. But it was just, I was really into the the growth of myself at Howard. Mm-hmm. So um, that was a lot of it, you know. And so when I decided to, I was really, like, the professors were real dope. Like, I had, my minor was in film and TV production. So mm-hmm. I had a lot of dope professors i had the brother from uh, um oh my goodness the brother who played elijah muhammad and malcolm x okay he ran the <clears throat> tv production course mm-hmm. that i took so even those experiences doing those things i had a lot of professors really i had black thought theory classes and mm-hmm. things like that so it was really a cultural transformation it was a yeah a, it was a growth thing for me and howard's theater program i mean when we think taraji p henson Man. marlon waynes anthony anderson um i mean those are what come to mind but it's so many others too i'm just, it's just slipping I can't my mind the brother the brother that just passed away uh, uh, chadwick boseman he was there when we were there yeah so he was a year younger than us you mm-hmm. know um the sister from uh, Teen Summit. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because even in those times, I did an internship at Teen Summit on a TV production team. Just, okay, because that's the other thing. BET was like in D.C. Yeah. And BET strategically was in D.C., I think, to really get some of that talent from Howard. <laughs> yeah, they would say they had that Teen Summit thing. Mm-hmm. It was cool. Like I said, I did a little tenure there for my internship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Howard's just dope. It's just a camaraderie at Howard. Okay, and I then I, I gotta ask, classic Howard Homecoming. Is it is it what they say? What? Is it? Uh, See, we was ninety three, ninety four, so we was there when Biggie <laughs> was coming out. Met the man Wu Tang was out, so they did a banging concert at the library down at the Union Station. Listen, they used to walk through campus, Wu Tang. Oh my goodness, yeah, everybody. It was just cold, dude. Everybody was new. Buster Rhymes used to come down there a lot. Mm-hmm. Listen, I was like, I was into the mix. But me and my crew, we were so, like, on that D.C. side. Okay. So, you know, we was popping in the party. I love Go-Go, okay? So I was a Go-Go queen. Nobody in my crew like Go-Go <laughs> but me. But I love Go-Go. Okay, so for I like everybody to to listening, break it down. Go-Go music do, 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 is a music. Do, 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 do. Uh, <laughs> like so, it's a couple of things. DC mambo sauce, gumbo, oh. <laughs> go-go music, uh, and um, and me thinking that that place is a lot more country than they want to admit. But continue. <laughs> <laughs> the thing um, about DC is, this is what I like about DC. Well, then it's mm-hmm. a, it's totally different now. Everybody's real comfortable. I feel like after I grew up a little bit and I came from Detroit, and even when I moved back to Detroit, I was like, oh, Lord of mercy. Everybody, it is what it is down there. Mm -hmm. They were moving. Back then, it was just, Mm -hmm. they was chill. Everybody was cool. What up, young? You know? 
you know, it was cool. It was comfortable. I had a lot of outside of Howard relationships and I did, in, you know, inside, inside Howard. Just D.C. people. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I'm just a cool, I'm just cool. So I kind of like, I had my oldest daughter down there. So, mm-hmm. you know, I lived down there after I graduated. I worked down there after I died. And I mm-hmm. worked in um, a daycare center and got cool mm-hmm. with, you know, the older sisters or the regular sisters who just live in D.C. They mm-hmm. weren't like college graduates and Howard alumni, I didn't go that route. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of stayed leveled out. And so I kind of got ingrained with the city, okay. you know, so. And I also have this question. If you were there, uh, Million Man March happens while you're there. Mm-hmm. What was the impact on that city? And for people that know, uh, I went to the Million Man March. I was really young. But now looking back, and my dad said it, even Farrakhan said it when he was on stage. Jesse Jackson, I think, made reference. Like, you won't understand what this is like until, you know, years later. And even to this day, it just was, it was different. What was the what was the pulse at the time just in the city leading up the to that? The city was just hyped. I remember us walking back from D.C. I mean, back from downtown home. And we lived on Gresham and George Avenue. You know, that's down by Howard. And we walked from downtown from where the uh, march was. Mm-hmm. So it was hype. It was escalated. It was motivated. It felt like it was just a cool, positive vibe there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was so long ago. Yeah. But it was it was a real hype time. Everybody was hyped up. It was hyped up, hyped up. Okay. And first daughter there in D.C. Mm-hmm. with that feel. Uh, then you come back to Detroit. What led you back to the D? Um. So after I left, after I graduated... I chill. Like, I, I love D.C., you know. So mm-hmm. after I graduated, one of my roommates, she left and went home. And so, like I said, I just chill work, you know, still trying to figure it out. And so I had my daughter, and I was in Northeast. It was just being there after 9-11 had happened. Like, when we, me and my daughter was in D.C., I think I, we was out somewhere. We was on mm-hmm. the train, and that's when 9-11 hit. Mm. So when 9-11 hit, we was on the train, and, you know, they had to stop the trains, and we had to get off at Union Station, but you know, wow. I just did the the thing. So mm. once we got off the train, it was just real panic, and it wasn't phones couldn't work. I was just trying to we was trying to get home, but in D.C. it was different because they shut the city down because they thought it was bombs going to go off everywhere. Yeah. So they did made everybody go home. But I'm in D.C. by myself. It's just me and my daughter. I don't have any. Nobody was down there when um with with my daughter. When this so happened. I I had her. Yeah. So I just went to the crib. And we just went home. But after that, you know, it kind of shift. Things was just different in D.C. after that. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's a little more tight. Mm-hmm. You know, after school, I was studying for the LSAT because I wanted to go to law school. So in the midst of studying for the, the law school, you know, the LSAT, I'm working, dealing with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Things kind of shifted because now I'm trying to leave this job. I wanted to go work at the White House and do an internship down there. But then this whole shift happened. So I'm like, Girl, what you gonna do? It's just getting tight. So like a year or two after 9-11 hit, I was like, well, let me go back home to the crib and see, mm-hmm. you know, if you know I could do something different and really get into the law thing. Okay, so you come back here mm-hmm. and you're still thinking law, but not no, I was necessarily. Only, like I was determined, like I'm gonna okay. be a lawyer, I'm about to take this LSAT. Okay. That LSAT was giving me the bees nazies. I was like, oh, what is going on? I took I think it took, it took like two or three times. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, after a minute, I just felt like I was forcing that. You know, I was a yeah. paralegal for a minute. You know, I worked with my pops for like twelve years mm-hmm. um as a paralegal, but it was just after a while I was just like, that ain't what you really want to do. Cause in the in the midst of that, the, me coming up on cooking was just like I could cook. So okay, uh, now and and a lot of people think they can cook, but you're 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 good. Like, when did you make the shift that like okay, I, it's not like I can cook because my daughter and my dad like it, mm-mm. but like oh, people really like my food. Like, what was like that moment that kind of was the first thing that made you say, "Let me try hmm. to do something with it." Yeah, I don't know. I just. uh I just always cooked a lot, and I feel like certain dishes were like, okay, those are good, those are cool. Um, I don't you get different people. I think at one point, I want to just start a business. I think at one point, I'm, I had to really figure out, like, girl, you. F- I felt like I, I get more joy out of cooking okay. than I did going to work. 
Okay. I got felt more like. Listen. So you were you were handling briefs and paralegals do a lot of work. So yeah, and then that's why I kept like calls, I can't do this. Doing, I can't do this for thirty years. I, I don't want to read all this stuff. Yeah. I don't want to fall asleep. Mm. It's emotionally draining. I'm a crybaby. So some stuff I don't know how lawyers can just sit there in court like. I'm a crybaby. Like, how can you breathe? Like, it's too much. It's too emotional. The family, the court. I can't do this. I can't. I can't mm. be crying and defending nobody. Yeah. So, but in the reality of it all, I was just like, "Girl, what you gonna do? What do you want to do?" And so, the mm. cooking was dope. I think I started, like, um, you know, here and there. I would do like little dinners. Mm-hmm. I would sell little dinners here and there. But then, you know, I, in college, me and my roommate, I love the cooking shows, cookbooks. So we was. Always watching cooking Julia Childs or these, these this one these ladies just called the two fat ladies. You just watch them cooking shows all Sunday. Mm-hmm. She cooked a lot of food in college, and so she, she's from Antigua, so the West Indies. So, you know, we was like I say, we was on some. We just rolled different in college, so we just did. What we had to, so we had a crib, and sometimes we ain't have food, we didn't have stuff to eat. And but Vaughn would go in that kitchen, and she would just cook. Like she introduced me to the avocados, to garlic. My pops and them cook. I learned a lot growing up watching my seasonings and learning how to do those things with watching Vaughn cook with these different things, chopping up fresh garlic, making she was making miracles out of food. Mm-hmm. So then we would cook and then all those things was just coming to me. When I had my daughter, I made her food. I didn't buy baby food. Like I would buy potatoes, I'll buy yams, I'll buy rice and I'll just mash it up and make it myself. After a while, you know, I knew certain dishes was just cool. And so me just trying to figure something out, I'm like, girl, just cook and sell. And so I think I don't know. I just came. One day I was making cookies and learned how to make cookies and brownies. And when I was working at my father's office, I made cookies and brownies. I would make up little cards, hmm. stick them on the bottle, wrap them up. I, I was on the bus. We would sell cookies on the way to work on the bus, me and my kids. And then after a while, I went and got a license from the city. And on my lunch break, I pulled a card out and stand on the corner on Michigan and Woodward hmm. and sell cookies at the table, sell cookies and brownies. Mm. For like two hours, mm. and I could make like 150, 100. Had the kids had little sample trays because mm. they would go to work with me. Mm. <laughs> so they'd be out there selling cookies and brownies, and you was like I, the uh, you was like the football t- team with the waters. That's what. That's but actually, had had something better than just the regular water. You know, I had samples, and from there, I just went like mm. I, you know, then a lot of people just talked to me. I had people in my head saying, "Funny, you know, my whole." Like I say, my journey with my girls and me as a single mother, I've always trying to figure out how I'm going to raise my kids consistently. Like, it's always been a, a financial struggle because it's just certain environments I cannot work. I'm not going to work in. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And just that energy, I feel like, you know, let me create something myself. You know, even going from paralegal, I worked at the land bank for a few years as a paralegal, you know, and that was my whole thing. Like, oh, corporate America, you can get it. That wasn't it. So after that, I went and ran um, uh, the Petit Zinc, mm-hmm. you know, for a minute. And w- in that moment, that was like one of the best experiences for me because it taught me or it showed me that I can run a restaurant. I can run my whole thing. I feel like I was running everything. So why not put this in mm-hmm. myself? Now, uh, this this kind of puts us back to reintroduction through our mutual friend, mm-hmm. my big homie. Um, and friend of Detroit is different and just friend of mine, friend of yours, the Karima Sorrell. Love Karima. She's so Heck dope. of an artist and just great energy. But uh, at one point in time, Karima was the owner of a French restaurant. And up to this point, I never had crepes. Uh, <laughs> and she used to hate when I say that. I was like, they're like fancy Pop-Tarts. She was like, Kari, they, they are Please, not bad. Don't tell that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Le Petit Zinc was like was a place that made great crepes, mm-hmm. all kind of from her husband at the time, Charles Sorrell, mm-hmm. uh, who was a French chef. And and this is it, it's hard to think that like man, you know, what is this like? Maybe fifteen years ago, uh, fifteen years ago, Detroit, because that wasn't that long ago, but it's long enough ago, about ten, twelve, yeah, probably about ten, twelve years ago. It it was different, uh, and I guess Detroit is different mm-hmm. as far as like the whole idea of like the bustling restaurant scene mm-hmm. and 
fusion food and all of it that stuff. No, different. it was not. Not existed. It was, yeah, it was like, uh, you know, new restaurant. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Like, even my interview with um, with Phil Cooley at Slow's Barbecue, like, yeah, it was like unheard of of like a new restaurant. And it's like, okay, new restaurant. Are you making pizza or chicken wings? And what version of pizza and chicken wings? And it's like, not necessarily. So now you bring in this Le Petit Zinc concept mm-hmm. and it's completely new. And it's like real cutting edge. And that restaurant started by Charles and Karima kept going through Karima. Mm-hmm. At one point in time, the leadership, the 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 vision, the cooking, the the management, the uh, a lot fell right there at, at your feet, mm-hmm. and it scaled up because I was there, and, and it kind of even from the roots of Detroit is different. Doing our first podcast there, like you went from, you know, waitressing a little bit. No, I went from dishwasher. Okay. All right, tell I came the story. in as a dishwasher. Tell, tell the story. <laughs> you can tell. Okay, okay. Tell I came the story. in as a dishwasher, okay? Um, no, I was working at the land bank then, so of course I was trying to make a couple hundred dollars on the mm-hmm. weekend. And so somebody at the land bank had did a weekend there. was like, you can make a couple dollars over there on the weekend. I made like a hundred and something dollars on the Sunday. I said, what? Nigga, that's mm-hmm. gas money. Let me mm-hmm. go. So I went over there one weekend. I literally did dishes all day. Mm. So like I say... You know, my personality, who I am, we kind of, you know, dishwashing was going to be cool for a minute. But once I found out that, oh, we what we can share these dishwashing duties, that means I can be a waitress mm-hmm. and getting them tips and being over here to get these dishes, we're going to switch. We're going to take turns on this. Yep. But once I got on that flow, it was over. So once I got on that floor and started waitressing, so that's not, I was waitressing. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, I just it wasn't no more dishwashing. I was straight waitressing, and it just grew from there. Me and Kareem, I met Kareem at, there I got mm. the job through somebody else and I met Kareem there we just ended up being close sisters mm-hmm. just from linking up we both Aries we both off the chain we both ain't got no cap and we just like this and so I think a lot of that was a trust in her with me outside of her presence because everybody could see well I guess you could see how I can handle myself handle the restaurant and you know just trust that it'll be done and and it just grew from there and eventually when we moved and it was just running that restaurant hiring people managing the spot making it rock just doing it with we could make it do but it was a lot for me learning how to deal with uh employees yeah um vendors vendors payroll um, mm-hmm. um attitudes energies customers yeah um and myself mm-hmm. like Okay, I, they were all tests to me. They were they were really tests. They were all these were tests for me. Yeah, you know? and it and it scaled up. So like, so like for for a person that's watching now, wondering like what that's like. It's it's so unique to go from that position, but it also is very true in the essence of of how things are needed. Mm-hmm. And and this is also a lesson of of your of first off how smart you are how skilled you are, talented, and then your presence of mind that I'm guessing a lot kind of shows over time that you even learned from all you've done mm-hmm. of being like, um, you know, people say right place, right time. And mm-hmm. really, if you can right place, right time yourself, you can move up an organizational chart very fast mm-hmm. if you're willing to be that. Mm-hmm. And you were that. Like, like you say, from dishwashing to general management you know what i'm saying or, it, or whatever oh, you know. yeah it was that time like i don't feel like even with me growing up and my experiences growing up being solid and who i am mm-hmm. i don't think i could have handled that role with these customers if i wasn't strong on who i was yeah because like customers and people and, and 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 you know it's a it's a you got this this black sister running this french restaurant yeah. So a lot of my customers don't look like me. So not at all. The energy, and it's an internet. So if if you don't respond, to, it's it's an internationally known mm-hmm. Detroit restaurant. Mm-hmm. Even to this day, uh, and the doors have been closed. And I I'd imagine, I don't know. When I talk to Karima, I'm sure it may reopen one day. But like the reputation still lingers internationally. Mm-hmm. And when I say internationally, I don't mean like. <laughs> Windsor, I mean like Brazil, France, yeah. France mm-hmm. uh, Israel. Uh, you know, it was like some of those I like had exclusive my came magazines. From different places, yes. Yeah, yeah, that like would do shoots there mm-hmm. and special events there. Like Tommy it, Hawk came in there. Yeah, Tony Hawk. That's his name. Tony Hawk. He came in there. Like I remember, he came when I opened up one morning. Him and his family was outside. 
you know, when it was over there off of Trumbull. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I'm, you know, I'm like, all right, well, let me come in here, get him in here. And, you know, it's just, yeah. It, it's just what it is. Everybody coming in, like, oh, it popped up. I was in Canada. I was somewhere. The zinc popped up. And it had that type of reputation, which also, this is around the time, like, uh, with in the Yelp review world. And mm-hmm. you had to even manage a lot of. I had to manage a lot. I did a lot. I did a lot. I felt like I did A to, a to Z in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when it was time for me to start my the, my business, it was different than going out on the corner, selling my brownies and cookies. and Where it's more like transactional, hand-to-hand. Or, like, I had the square, but now it's like, okay, let's structure you in a business. Mm-hmm. I was making money then to live. Mm-hmm. So, you know, well, we got $150. We're going to get some groceries. We'll do this. So going through the structural, everything at the zinc. I mean, going from tipping out. To payroll, mm-hmm. um, taxes, insurance, when payroll came out of the account. I mean, it's a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of that helped as far as me structuring with how, how I hire people to help me in the business, how I deal with confrontation with um, employees yeah. or the customers. I've gotten into different, like I've learned a lot, you know. So even now, at just certain spaces and de- things that I won't deal with, I know what to choose. I won't do. So because t- the zinc really taught me a lot, you know. When mm-hmm. I left, I was ready to leave. I was ready. It was time for me to start my fine. I knew I was done. I was ready. It was time to go. Now I was just trying to figure it out. But I, I felt like I ran that. I ran that place, and now I was. That I learned yeah. so much. Now, now with that, with your business. Mm-hmm. And, and you got some of your products here now. So what was your ideas? What what was this now that you have this catalyst and more experience and you're engaging in food? Mm-hmm. Food. This is your passion. Mm-hmm. Because it's more now it's gone beyond is it, it went from step one, can I do this? Or or I love doing this. Then can I do it? Yes. I love doing this, so I should do it. You you say mm-hmm. yes to that. Can I do this? You say yes to that. All right, how far can I go? You you learn how that, yo, I can really run a restaurant and everything. And now your business. What comes so, to life? So in even in that, even with this whole me, I have a really, you know, I just got a, a, a full energy. My energy, I got to breathe. I got a need to move. So one of the, one of the first things that did it for me was working at... Um, the land bank or working, I don't want to just specifically say at that place, but just working in a controlled environment, in a cubicle mm-hmm. and those things, that ain't my life. Like, I couldn't, you know, I feel like if we getting, I don't care how much money you can pay me an hour. Mm-hmm. People feel like, oh, you're getting 20 25 $30 an hour. You good, you living. I can't, you know, but you got to live in a cubicle. You got to be evaluated. People tell you what to do. You grown and moving as a human in this world, and somebody's telling you, uh, another human moving in this world is telling you, oh, you two minutes late, you five minutes late, oh, you're penalized, you can't move this way, oh, let's evaluate you, and you tell me what you're worth, but no, I'm going to tell you what you're worth. You know, um, you making fifty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year, half of it's gone, mm. your life gone, and to me, that just didn't work for me. You can't, I don't want nobody telling me what to do. And I had to really think, like, if I could make 200 some dollars a day, I could do that on my own. What if I was making $200 from 10 people a day? What if I was making whatever? So I started looking at the sacrifice. I've always hustled. I've always, ever since I've been on my own and had my kids, I've, it's always been a um, journey for me. So I don't care how much I was making an hour. If I can get out there and grind on my own terms and my own time, that worked for me. I so I couldn't that the, me losing everything or me losing something was nothing compared to me having the independence and the freedom to move around. The autonomy. And like if I'm busting say. my ass with somebody else, I, why can't if I'm working nine to five, literally like a robot, I can't move. I can't move because yeah. the master going to say you spelled something wrong and I could be building my own business with no middleman, period. That was too much for me. And and, uh, and it's good you spoke to that because oftentimes when people speak about the beauty of entrepreneurship, people always talk about money. And even with what I do, what I love most is the autonomy. It's the it's the freedom that you can that I can wake up one day and say, you know what? Today I'm gonna just watch mm-hmm. a Netflix series, <laughs> and then I'll start working on my projects mm-hmm. at three o'clock in the morning. Like mm-hmm. that freedom 
gives me so much more peace of mind. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to even quantify what that value, like you say, like it's hard to quantify the amount of money versus the pressure of, you know, what, quote unquote, being an employee. Because when you have clients, it's still a, 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 a relationship where um, it's expectations of what is old, but it's different. It's 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 more at my own will. I exactly. get to justify the terms project by project. Whereas you're an insert. If every time I was an employee, I felt like it's almost like a a, a, a undetermined, disclosed. You're gonna do this based on whatever project we feel like giving to you at whenever we decide to give you a project and God forbid, yeah, work on project A. And then if we feel like putting you on project B, guess what? We're going to say, forget all everything you did with project A, just go on and work on project B. Whereas if we're, if I'm a, if I have a business relationship with you and we agree to the terms of project A mm-hmm. and you say, look, we no longer want to do project A. I can I can hard nose you and be like, all right, give me the rest of my money for project A because you made that decision. Or, and, or I can come back and say, all right, we can negotiate terms for project B. But now I still have more freedom. Yep. Employees don't have that direct freedom to do that. Or I never felt that way when I was an employee. Like I had that freedom. So I would have to manipulate ways to make that happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if I feel like, I, yeah, I just feel like I didn't have no freedoms, mm. you know. So it was, you know, to the point where to me it was physically like I was going at it. Like it was just, yeah, that whole concept didn't work for me. Huh. That whole telling me what to do and, you know, I just don't like, I, didn't, I don't like that robotic thing. Even me going to Howard and feeling like when I graduated Howard, that was, maybe that was the pressures of me trying to do, feeling like I had to go to law school, had to be a lawyer. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You got to go work at 9 to 5. You got to do this to... You know, make this mm-hmm. certain amount of money when it's like I don't know. The entrepreneurship is is it's it's a lot of freedom to that, and I would rather bust my tail or stay up all night or burn the midnight oil mm-hmm. for me. That's what's Cause up. Because the, the show ain't the money. I, I'm here. I'm here to tell you, show ain't the money. I got you. <laughs> now, uh, now with that, your business. What mm-hmm. are you doing? So, um, I got Finding Spikes. So, Finding Spikes is a meal. Is a is a I just call it a food service business. Mm-hmm. So initially, before the pandemic, I was doing a lot of catering, and I did a, you know, I was starting to get into the private chefing, cooking thing. But for you know, once the Rona hit, that was a whole new thing for me. So after the Rona hit, I started doing pickup meals, pick up from the house, and I started coming up. You know, in my whole head, I'm trying to. My end game was an empire, mm-hmm. so in the real sense of reality of an empire, you know, because I really feel like the products and the things that I make, you know, are the bomb. Like, and I really feel like they will make it to, you know, however they can make it out there. But so after the Rona hit, I thought about what else. I just wanted to come up with different things. You know, I, I read a lot. I, I, I follow, I love entrepreneurs. I love, um, I love Damon Dash. Mm-hmm. I don't care what nobody say. I just like I like I just like people who they keep me motivated, and I know where I'm coming from. I know where I'm at. I'm at the I just I'm at a lower level where a lot of people start, and so I always just feel like once I do the work, I could do it. So I came together, you know, figured out when I was doing the meal preps. It was just certain seasons that I was using. I'm like, girl, put them in a jar. Just put them all in one jar and just use it. So once I'm like, might as well just make a product. You cook, you funny. So it all just built from there. So making products, staying on, that's been out for like a year and a half, almost two years. Okay. So after the Rona hit, the meal preps came in a lot. Mm-hmm. So now I'm doing more, like I do a lot of meal preps. I got a lot of meal prep clients. And uh, I got a lot of, not a lot of, but I do the like the, the pop-up last week or I'll do catering events. But right now I'm trying to really step it up with the merchandise, with the seasonings, with sweatshirts, with with. Uh, hoodies, but I'm trying to get that good food out here. I'm trying to get my, um, I'm working on getting my products froze or to the, we can mm-hmm. we can freeze them and we can ship them. You know, I'm just trying to. I got somebody looking so, at. So you're seasoning. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what are they? Uh, you got some here now. You can. Oh like, yes, I guess, yes. Pull, pull Let's them get it. Show, so, show some people. So the thing about my seasons, my funny seasons. This is my everything. I want my peoples to stop using. This is what I want y'all to do, okay? 
everything. I got everything you need in here, okay? Mm-hmm. So my thing is, I really feel like the fresher it is, the more scratch it is, the more, you know, it'll taste. I'm all about that flavor. Okay. I'm not with a bunch of salts and all that kind of stuff, but I'm an advocate of the kosher salt, coarse, coarse, coarse kosher salt. Mm-hmm. That's one of the bases in all my sauce. And I grind up, um, I dehydrate a lot of my products, like the lemons, maybe the herbs, the ginger, the sun-dried tomatoes, olives, which go in my salt-free seasoning. Mm-hmm. My everything seasoning has, like, um, the kosher salt. I grind up the black peppercorns, garlic, onion powder, um, not onion powder, but granulated onions, um, dehydrated mm-hmm. lemons. Mm-hmm. And I use a little bit of um, cane sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just real natural, and they're just flavorful. They're just a bomb. Then I got my extra hot rub to go for, for my hotties out there. Mm-hmm. But I use a uh, Korean hot, red hot pepper. Okay. And cayenne pepper. The, the key to this is the Korean hot pepper. And so, like I say, I like to have everything really fresh. And, um, you know, yeah. that thing can produce more flavor. Like my dehydrate. This is the sweet lemon pepper. Mm-hmm. I dehydrate the lemons. And it's only dehydrated lemons, the coarse ground, uh, the coarse culture salt, and the, the peppers, the black pepper. What um, what do you suggest, like, uh, people cook it with? Uh, are they cooking it with, like, uh, broccoli, So this is why everything we can cook it with. I want every teen. You see this? Say, say every teen season. So <laughs> this is what I want my people to do. I want y'all to throw on that. I, I love Lowry's, too. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. Slap your mama. We're going to put all them to the side because this is what ends up happening. People get all these different seasons and they put, they'll put the Lowry's, the slap your mama, then I'll throw the garlic, then I'll throw the onion. I got it all for you in one jar. Mm-hmm. It's all in a jar and that's all you need because what tends to happen is we, 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 we season it at every level. Mm-hmm. So by the time something's done, you be like, damn, it's really salty. Yeah. And so... I feel like the seasonings are real balanced enough to where if you just want more seasoning, you put more seasoning on there. Okay. And so, like I say, I use different ingredients where I feel like it, uh, you know, just add more flavor, you know. And so, and plus, like all my meal preps and stuff, they cook with the seasons. How um how how have people responded to the seasoning? The seasonings, it's dope. If I the thing with the seasons, like for me, I'm more so now. I'm trying to get more so on the marketing and the advertising of mm-hmm. it, but. The, the response is great. Everybody who uses it only uses Fonnies. Okay. We just trying to make sure more people mm-hmm. connect. Get that Fonnies. You know, so I do a sample campaign. I send out samples. I send out packages. So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get it out there because it's just it's just really, really good. And uh, for you, what do you like? Um, you, it's everything. So the lemon pepper and the hot. So the everything, let me break them down. So the everything I could say, put on everything, like I say. Mm-hmm. So I'll use them in, let's say, definitely, you know, uh, I use it in my salmon patty mix. I'll use it in my ground turkey mix, beef mix. When You know, I'll use it in my chilies. My chilies, my soups, they'll be the same base, everything. It's wherever mm-hmm. you would put Everything in, like if you would put, like when I do my vegetables, I do a, a swoop of everything, a little tamari, or mm-hmm. a little red wine, a little agave if I want to, switch it up, and that's it. Because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll do the lemon pepper, I think goes good. I like the lemon pepper on salmon. Mm-hmm. I like it on, um, like, when you know when you fry your french fries or tortilla chips, it's good on those chips afterwards. The extra hot is good on that, too. A lot of that extra hot, I'll use, I'll put that in there with my chili sometimes, and I'll put it on, like, the steaks, the okay. beef. Um, I got a black in the mix. I got a salt-free mix. Hmm. I got a red and yellow onion garlic mix. Hmm. So, like, all these things are, like, on my website, Finest Bites. Okay. Um, what's the, uh, give give people the website. What is it? Finestbites.com, F-A-N-I-Z-B-I-T-E-Z.com. Okay. And like I said, I'm on the, um, it's a, a lot of my, you know, Instagram, Facebook, I do, you know, I'm putting everything on there every day. Okay. And if I order, it can ship to me? I ship. You can come mm-hmm. by and pick it up. Mm-hmm. That's how you want to do it. So, um, so who who's responding most? Is it is it men, women, older people, younger people? So my right now, f- right far as the seasons, that could be because t- my thing with the seasons, that's not that's that my demographics for them because ain't nobody cooking. These youngers ain't cooking. Mm-hmm. 
These so, young things. They not cooking. <laughs> I gotta get them together. Unless it's some old TikTok um challenge viral <laughs> cook challenge. Roll up, up some mixing some biscuits and mm-hmm. dip them in some sauce. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? They ain't cooking. Okay. You know, so okay. And you got di- you got a uh, your young one. It, 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 she may she may push back. Your young one ain't cooking. Yeah, she, oh, they they twenty. You know they cook, but these youngers, <laughs> the millennials, they not cooking. So they're gonna say a lot of my my meal mm-hmm. preps and stuff. Those are my millennials. Like ah, they'll buy food, okay. they'll get food, um, but ain't too many. So the people that really get around, the people who cook on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm trying to, what I really am trying to focus on coming up this year is trying to get them to restaurants and businesses who buy them in bulk. Mm-hmm. You know, who need, you know, instead of buying that big thing of Lowry's or that big thing of yeah. whatever, they can just buy that big thing of Fonny's, you know. Yeah. And I'm about to come out with that batter mix. Okay. Now, uh, now within that, you said meal prep. What does, mm-hmm. what is your meal prep plan? What is, uh, is it, are you actually cooking the food too? Or yeah, are you I just cook. giving people, so I cook. hey, you should eat like a, like a personal trainers give meal prep plans that's mm-hmm. like, hey, just make sure you ain't eating. No, I don't do know. that. That's what I be trying. Some people, they like, how many calories? I don't know that. This is what I do. I meal prep for people who, a lot of my clients are older. Mm-hmm. So I cook for a lot of older, um, parents or people who just don't have time to cook you know i have a couple of clients who they they're it's they families you know and they order a certain amount of meals every week so i do so almost like the ship to order i forget what the the some of those packages that we're familiar with online right so i do them like you get you can get one yeah or you can you can do five for 55 all the meals are 12 so you can do this 12 for like regular like chicken turkey Mm -hmm. if you're doing like Seafood, lobster, you're going to 15. It's going to cost more, yeah. So now I got plans where you can do 5 for 55. Mm-hmm. You can do 10 for 105. Mm-hmm. You can do 20 for, one oh, you know, for 100. I mean, mm-hmm. 200, 205. Okay. So, you know, a lot of a lot of people are doing, you know, I got clients who may have surgery and need to eat for a minute. I think I had one client that started over a year ago. It was just supposed to be for their surgery. I'm still cooking for them mm. a year later. Wow. So some people buy like 10 meals a week. You know, they'll mm-hmm. eat lunch and dinner. You know, okay. so that's what I'm saying. A lot of the, that's that thing now. You know, people just want to pop me in, pop me in. I don't freeze them and do those yet because I cook my food from scratch. You know, yeah. so I don't really, some things you can freeze or some things I'm not, you know, yeah. I, I want you to just go You're ahead not, and knock not it out. You're not to freeze, yeah. I got yeah, you. Yeah, some mm-hmm. stuff is just go ahead and knock it out. So, because um, everything is straight from scratch and, you know, some of that stuff got to go. So a person, so like if I get the meal prep, I'm basically like pulling up on you the days that I order or whatever? No, I, I give you all of them at once. Okay. So if you order five or ten, you're going to get the whole five or the ten that day. Okay. And then you store them however you want them. Okay. And then you can do however you want with them. A lot right. of times people will give me, um, I ask, they was like, well, how do your meal preps work? So I'll say, well, just tell me, what do, you, what, do you, what do you like, what you don't like? What are your restrictions? What are you trying to do? Not even like, I don't even, it doesn't even matter what you're trying to accomplish. I just mm-hmm. want to know what you don't want in your food and what, how I should make it. Yeah. I'll create. No menus are the same. I don't have mm. I don't have set menus. So it's not like Monday, it's lasagna. Nah, no matter who. I don't know. It's, I give you whatever you, whatever wow. you want me to cook for you, I'm going to cook it for you. So how much how much time are you spending in the kitchen? I'm surprised you're here interviewing with me so now. So <laughs> it just, I had client, I had two meals earlier. That's only an hour in the kitchen. Okay. But that's was like some seared, some seared tilapia. He had beef and broccoli, sweet mm. potato mash, rice. Okay. And, you know, that ain't nothing to cook. I cooked that in my sleep. So, mm. you know, if I had like my biggest meal thing they get like 15 a week so mm-hmm. uh, that's like five hours in the kitchen so i already got mm-hmm. my time set i deliver between four and six mm-hmm. or they'll pick up between four and six so if i know i'm doing that meal prep i'll start like 11 i'll be mm-hmm. done I'm, i already got it rotated out how this will be in the oven this will be cooking so, so within that. that you within that you still cooking for yourself trying new ideas and new like are I you expanding are you expanding your, the the options you have on your menu by trying new stuff? Like, is it triggering your mind to say, I may need to add? So this is what I do. Mm-hmm. I, so I tell you, I'm on Instagram. And so if you look at a lot of my food, it's really different. So I kind of stay up on food. You know, I'm a cooking show foodie. I'm mm-hmm. a, I'm a, I love, you know, I'm, I just look. And things just, they just embed in my brain. So when I cook, 
it's going to be, it'll come, a th- you know, a year ago, jackfruit was out. So a lot of my clients wanted the jackfruit, different stuff of jackfruit. So I made jackfruit tacos, curry jackfruit, jackfruit patties. Mm. You know, the keto thing was out a couple of years ago. So a lot of meals had the keto. So had to learn how to cook or do different meals that way. But it's still all things that I make up. Okay. I make up And it's with your style and your seasoning. It's just what it is. Like, I don't know what I'm going to cook unless you Mm -hmm. tell me specifically what you want. Like, a couple of clients, they just know they're going to get meals. Like, I got clients that get meals every week on the same thing. I got one client, older Mm -hmm. guy, he gets two meals every week. He don't know what he getting every week. I don't know what I'm cooking for him every week. Mm. But I know he likes beef. I know he likes white meat. I know he likes vegetables. And they, they, my clients pretty much let me do what I do. And and what would you say the advantage of like this approach versus like going out like carrying out so much, because there's still a lot of people that do that option all the time. Like may carry out. I feel carry five, out every six day. Times. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to get people to meal prep. I'm trying mm-hmm. to people to call me. Okay, okay. I feel like even what's with the advantage the, um, of of meal prep versus? I think it's carry more out. scratch. I think it's more personal. I think it's more healthier. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like, I really think, now when we were talking about earlier with the pop-up of all these restaurants and these fusions and these businesses, everybody want a business. Everybody want to get a business. Everybody making food that sucks. So mm. I feel, yeah, you got the few out there, but I feel like, and everybody's going to go grab that. And they're spending so much money. Uber and DoorDash, you know how much money that is? And they're not even going, they're not getting carry out. They're getting delivered. Mm-hmm. Like I'm saying, that's why even with the meal preps being delivered, all I hear in the atmosphere, stratosphere, if you hear, like, watch, I don't know, I'm I'm, I'm all in the cyberspace TV, whatever. The conversations on TV, reality shows, oh, um, just Uber that food here. Just get that shipped in. I just mm-hmm. got that food mailed in and just pop in the oven. Yeah. They getting food delivered and putting it in real bowls. Like, ain't nobody cooking. When you watch the million-dollar house shows, one of the little realtor shows, they be showing houses and be like, oh, here's the kitchen, but ain't nobody ready to go use it. Like, <laughs> Do you, uh, and then also within that, and I, I just gave this suggestion to a friend because it was actually another friend, um, and, and it blew my mind years ago. But do you ever do, like, for, like, couples or date nights or, like, even family gatherings, do you actually cook on at a person's house where it's like, all right, what type of stove you got? Do you, have you ever now, done see, that's something one like thing. that? That's one, thing. That's, it. that's one of the things about being an entrepreneur. Some mm-hmm. private chef and things I don't do. Okay, okay. Only because I just don't like You don't some. know their, their kitchen. Or and, yeah, yeah, yeah. people think, I think sometimes people look at cooks or like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a cook. I'm not with titles. I don't really give. I don't really care about a title. I, I'm, I can cook. You don't. Have, I don't have to yeah. be called a chef. You know, I went to culinary school for a year. Mm-hmm. I feel like people look at cooks or as like servants or something, and so yeah. sometimes they approach you like that. Yeah. So I don't step into certain reasons, but some kitchens. Now, yeah, I had to look at your kitchen first. Like, I'm not going to White House to cook. <laughs> like, if you like, if you got like a spot a where hot it's plate, cool, a hot plate, yeah, you got and, to have. Uh, that's why I had to. I got out and check a it out first. Grill. I got a but hot plate and that. a forming grill. I ain't doing that. I bring it to you. <laughs> I ain't doing that. Like, I'm real protect. I'm at the point where now I, I'm like, solid in what like I'm prison. at and what I do. I didn't I pay dues. I got the locked up. I got the county, mm-hmm. the county, the county in sale kitchen. <laughs> Don't let me look at your refrigerator. Don't let me see no splash on your. uh <laughs> we ain't doing that today. All right. So if a person's looking for meal prep, how do they get in contact with you? Oh, they can just either um you can go to my website and once again, www.fanizbitez.com. Mm-hmm. I got my pre- my meal prep um options on there. Okay. You can go to the website, click on your meal prep, you can order it there. Okay. The only thing about the website is that you won't necessarily um, get to choose you now. If you say so, I have where you can order the packages. You can order a single meal. You can order five for five, the mm-hmm. ten. You can either go to the bottom where I have signature meals, and you can pick them individually. Okay. Then I'll know what you want. Okay. Or just and but if you pick the five for five, you can't necessarily say what you want. That's when you thinking. Once I get that order, I'll email you back and say, what are your options? What are your what are your restrictions? I'm gonna create this menu mm-hmm. for you. And then okay. we'll go from there. Or they can just give me a call, 313-600-8192. You can do that. You can send me an email, funnybikes at gmail.com. Just DM me on Instagram. 
It's, face, it's Funny Spice on Instagram. You can send me a message on Facebook. It's all there. All right. So now that we to the close, classic Detroit is different questions. Um, your very first car, year making model, what year did you get it? I was, it was, it was, let me say, I was working at the Crab House in D.C., Mm-hmm. And I was like 22, and I was okay. like my senior, junior year in college. Okay. But I was in the hood working with all these men at the sports bar at the crab house. And I'm about to hustle me some bread to get this. My boss used to do, um, they used to gamble on the week. They used to, it was a sports bar, so they would gamble. Mm-hmm. I was the only female working there, all these old men, you know, the sports bar. So I started getting money in too, so I saved up all my money. And that's when I was living, and me and a little crackhead from the block went to, uh, the auction in DC and I bought me a white Ford Tempo. 89 Ford Tempo. A 89 Ford Tempo from the auction. Now that Ooh, is that in is DC, baby. <laughs> and I lived on the like I told you. I was that I was that I was that one DC. Like you I lived on Gresham. Yeah. I was on Gresham. As a senior year, we had a house. Mm-hmm. Me and my girls, we, we ran out of the house. And the dude was on the block. They really looked out for me. So yeah, okay. we took me to the that was so, my, my white uh, tempo. Where where was the first place you went when you got your first ride? We drove to Atlantic City. Mm. We drove. Oh, you was you was feeling it. You was like, let's do it. We pulled up to the house to cut off. You was like, no more, no more, uh, no more gambling at the crab house. <laughs> we go, we gonna go to Atlantic City. And over we didn't even go there for nothing. Like we, we, we was broke. We had no money. To, the crab house thing was different. <laughs> them dudes was betting on football <laughs> and numbers. Like we went to Atlantic, Atlantic City. We went through a shit. A we just rocked machine. Susan came back. My car broke down. Ah. Yeah, yeah, learned a hard lesson. That one fast. You know, I was a little hard hit, you know. <laughs> All right. Um, you're the DJ at the end of the Detroit Fireworks. Woodward and Jefferson. You get to play three songs. What songs you playing? Atomic Dog. Okay, there we go. Off the Wall, Michael Jackson. All right, you got the people partying. Oh, shit. I got to go with a... Uh, uh, what's Meek Mills Monster? Okay, all right. I got him. You only said you had three real quick. Yeah, yeah that was, that was, I had to think of three quick bangers. Okay, so you got the people rocking. So they 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 fireworking uh, out in the streets now. I like. Yeah, all right. Was, yeah, I don't know. That was my. I don't know. And uh, last question: If you could rename Woodward after one person, who would it be and why? I might just have to call it Ancestors Road. Hmm. It's too many. Okay. It's too many. It's too many for me. Hmm. This ancestors role is too many for me out there. Okay. That is your Detroit is different. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jafani. Thank this was you, fun. Kari. Yes, yes. All right. Peace be. Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit is different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store.